What's up, everyone? This is Jackie, and you're listening to the Let's Talk Avatar podcast. This is a teen-rated podcast, so listener discretion is advised. As a warning, this podcast contains spoilers for The Legend of Korra. I'm yeah, going to be in that delirious <laughs> mode, so... Do you, do no. you want me to start bringing coffees to this or something? No, coffee will intern. upset my stomach. I we know. Need... <laughs> Can we put Bull in as our intern? Put like a little like saddle on him and have him get the stuff. Yes. He looks like a little pack dog, so it'd be perfect. Yeah. If this stays into the episode, by the way, my dog's name is Bolin. <laughs> yeah, if that doesn't solidify Jackie's dedication to Avatar, I don't know what will. Oh my gosh. Anyways, um, so this episode, I don't even... Okay. <laughs> I saw the title, so the, the name of the episode is Remembrances, mm, right? That was enough for you, Yeah, right? that was it. I knew. That sold it. I was like, this is the episode. This is episode of the year. So, Isaac, like I was saying, Isaac is, was going to watch, or he did watch this episode with me, and I was hyping it up because I was like, yeah, you know, the last episode was so good. There's so much action. I know this next one. It's just, because I forget, season four I haven't seen in so long, I'm forgetting what's happening. So I was like, yeah, we're finally moving. We're getting some traction. And then we go to sit down and watch it. And I just read the caption, like the summary of the episode. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give it a chance. And then I, at one point I wrote kind of over this recap of season one. Like, yeah, the rest of it started. Well, that was my whole thing was, this is like the poor man's Ember Island players. Yes. Like, Ember Island Players was, of course, at the end of The Last Airbender, but it was so funny. Like, it, it wrapped up the series and poked fun at the series in a way that it felt like it was just perfect. I don't know how to describe it. Obviously, everyone that's listening to this podcast has probably seen that episode. That's one of my favorite episodes in the entire franchise. Yeah. And it felt like they tried to do that again with this because it's nearing the end of Korra, mm-hmm. and they wanted to go back and reflect... But it was so boring. The stuff they were reflecting on, like, we already know about the love triangle. We're over it. We've moved on. They should move on. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm just tired of it. Well, they didn't offer any fresh perspective, which was my big thing. I wrote clip episode Y. And then, so this is when it first started. I said it's told from Mako's perspective, but it lacks any personality. Yes. It just felt Mm -hmm. so boring. It didn't feel like, it didn't even feel like Mako himself was telling this. It didn't feel like Mako was, like, reflecting on anything. Mm-hmm. It felt like the writers of the show were reflect- were just telling us what had happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's why it was so boring, because there was no personality to it. It wasn't like someone telling you a story from their past and having that animation or added emphasis to it, you know? It was exactly. just kind of like, this is exactly what happened. It is what it is. I really don't care. I don't even know why I'm here explaining it to you. And then his family pops in and it's like, that was the only part to that scene is when his grandma's like, you're just like your grandfather or like those comments. And they weren't even funny. Were the only added something to this story, you know? And the whole episode starts with the prince, Prince Wu, saying he doesn't know anything about Mako. And so mm-hmm. you think we're going to learn something about Mako. Yes, you're excited. And we don't learn anything about Mako. We don't even really get his thoughts necessarily on what had transpired because it's told so quickly and without any reflection. And they tried to make it funny with the interjections with, like, Prince Wu and stuff. And it, I just, it wasn't. The only <laughs> one that was kind of funny was the third the cousin or whatever no and the once you got past that shit and you got past cora's reflection oh with yeah and the movers that was actually pretty funny i laughed and i really varic like i've said many times before 
I don't really laugh at a lot of stuff yeah. that he says because it's kind of gotten old. But this, I was like genuinely laughing. I even wrote, I was like, why would I watch this? Like this mover, <laughs> why would I watch it? You know, it's too good. But I also put put uh, Prince Wu and Varric in the same room. God, please. And lock the door. Yep. Never open Keep it again. Keep them in there. Don't feed like, them. Like, it's okay. You guys can stay in there. We don't need you. I feel bad. Like, <laughs> I hate on Varric. I truly do. But I don't hate him as much as it seems like I do. You know? But he's just not like, he's not it for me. Well, it, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode. He's meant to be funny, but sometimes it's, like, too in your face. and Like, no one actually wants to be around this guy. No yeah. one wants to be friends with this guy. No one wants to have anything to do with him. Like, if you met someone like this, well, we have dealt with people like this in real life, and they're freaking annoying. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be around them. Like, sorry if you're, like, very, you're annoying, you need to change. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> For our sake. I think if they just toned it down a little bit, and he wasn't on a hundred the whole freaking time, even if it was just 50, if he's just not quite as energetic, not quite as many jokes. It just felt like they were forcing the humor. They, they, there's sometimes in this series that the humor feels a lot more forced than it did in The Last Airbender. That's just my opinion. Yeah, anyways. definitely. I agree. Um, <laughs> oh, when, so in the recap, when Mako's explaining like the love triangle and everything going on, I'm thinking to myself as a as a woman how did asami and cora stay friends like they went so back and forth even into season two yeah i forgot that it it was so back and forth and that's the only one thing i'll give this like recap credit for is that i that's how little of a crap i gave about that apparently (laughs) i forgot about that and i'm like wow yeah it just very i wouldn't put up with it no at some point i would be annoyed to see like if i was cora i'd be annoyed to see asami and vice versa like i wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to be around them because i'm like okay even if it didn't work relationships the whole time yeah (laughs) and even if it didn't work out with mako i'd still always have that like annoying feeling about you yeah at least i feel like so i'm glad that they're bigger people and they not as petty as so far (laughs) to you know well i don't want to spoil anything but you know like that's the thing to me is i'm like i feel like that's not really real realistic for women especially I'm at that, that age like i'm sorry like yeah. i remember what i was like when i was 18 19 20 and i was petty like if yeah. i'm petty now no it was like times a million it's like age. if you're i mean as you get older it's different because you're more mature but at that age it's like if you saw your man talking to an even talking Ooh, no. to another girl Fists it was like flying. what are you doing <laughs> even now it's like you're being a little too friendly. Yeah. And with Cora and Asami, I mean, they're kissing him back and forth. Like, And it's not like they don't know. It's they're, He's doing it right in front of them. <laughs> and he tries to act like the innocent one. And you're like, dude, you know exactly what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. But yep. I'm just surprised that they've stayed friends. And even closer friends than the other two. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, um, which goes to, um, this really annoyed me. That's to the point where I had to write a note. So when they're about to start Cora's little bullshit backstory nonsense, Asami comes out and says, I brought some tea. I thought you might be cold. Bring a freaking blanket. Why would you bring tea? <laughs> That's not going to warm her up. It's going to make her have to pee. Yeah. Give her a blanket. Yeah. But then that was going, I think that we've talked about before with Asami and Cora's friendship, how, 
in the previous, you know, you were talking about it with, like, with Mako's backstory, love triangle bullshit, how, how are they even friends? And now suddenly it's like Asami is the one looking out for her. And mm-hmm. it just kind of feels a little abrupt. Yeah. And they can't do this. Well, it was written that they were writing back and forth. Well, why were they writing each other back and forth? It just feels really abrupt to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why did, why wasn't Tenzin? Thing. You know, Tenzin showed up. Why wasn't Tenzin the one that went out there and talked to Korra? They have such a great relationship that they've established over these four books. Mm-hmm. It could have been Korra and Tenzin, and it would have made a lot more sense to me. And it would have, it would have like sat with all of us a lot better because it would have been that like father daughter connection they have moment where he's like comforting her the way that he did. Exactly. Whereas Asami is like, although I do like her character, it is very abrupt, their relationship. Yeah. It's just kind of like, well, I didn't expect it. Exactly. Especially from where it stems from, the Mm -hmm. origins of it all. And then to get to where it is now, you're just kind of like, well... I'm just going with this because this is where the show is going and I have no choice. <laughs> you're just kind of there along for the ride. Yeah, you're what like, are you going to well, do about I it? I guess. We'll just see what happens. Um, with these flashbacks, though, I, I wrote down, Cora really hasn't had a break. She really yeah. has gone from one enemy to another. And they're not just small enemies. Yeah, it's like world-changing enemies. Yeah, like Vatu. Except for Mon. Mon was kind of eh. Yeah, Mon was He was, was a little there. more just, you know, big city bad guy. Yeah, but, I mean, she really hasn't had a break. And these are, like, I mean, Amon took her bending. Vatu trapped her in the spirit world, and she had to reach her cosmic self just to beat him. Then Zaheer basically almost, well, basic, basically, almost killed her, took her breath away, gave her PTSD, trauma for the rest of her life, and now you have Kuvira. And I'm like, dang, she really hasn't had a break. Whereas... In Avatar The Last Airbender, it's just um, Ozai the entire time. Yeah, and it's like... Like, you have Zuko and, some and like, the Combustion Man and, like, small people that show up here and there, but there's only one really, like, impending doom-feeling villain, if that makes sense, you know? Whereas this is every season some big villain, for the most part, well, is what she's facing. I feel like the villains in... Korra are a lot more in your face because Ozai was sort of just I've complained about his personality but that aside aside from the fact he had the personality of a cardboard cutout he really wasn't present in the show that much you think about how little we saw him up until the end and all we knew about him was that he was evil we didn't even know anything about why he was evil so he wasn't even really like even though I guess even though he was supposed to be like you know this guy who was gonna harness the power of the comet and take over the world and all this stuff I never really cared. Like, I just never... He was there so little and he did so little that by the point, by the time they were fighting him in the finale, I kind of was like, eh, I know they're going to win. Exactly. But with Korra, it seems like all of the setbacks that are happening to her every time she faces a villain is because of that villain. That villain is in your face constantly as a viewer. So I think that, yeah, and you're right, she never got a break. And it's obvious because... You know, what's crazy to me is like you're saying with Avatar, The Last Airbender, you're like, uh, I know they're going to win. And in Korra, even though you know she's going to win, you still are like, wait, when you're rewatching it, is she going to make it? Because it gets so intense and she gets so pushed down and beaten down by all of them that you you feel like there's no hope and and I've thought to myself plenty of times like how does she make it out of this like I totally forgot because this is just too intense <laughs> and I that's this that's the thing is where she's at right now and her her view on stuff makes so much sense because she really hasn't had a break and yeah. when she did have this three year 
break, it was because she was trying to heal. Yeah, she was crippled. Exactly. And mentally damaged. Mm-hmm. Like it, So it wasn't even a break. Yeah. It was her trying to get back to her normal self, which she never will. Thanks to a villain. Yeah. So. Well, and you, you know, talking about her getting beat down, I think that's another good point. Aang never really lost, except for the end of book two. Yeah. Like, there was never a moment where it felt like he was losing, mm-hmm. except for that, yeah, well, he did lose that time, but, you know, with Korra. But it was from Azula. Yeah, exactly. That deserved, she deserved that win. I'll yeah. give her that. <laughs> a win that really wasn't a win, because he survived, but, you that's know. That's all, that, that's a good thing I wasn't <laughs> on this podcast when that happened, because I have a whole lot to say about that, but, yeah, with, with Korra, yeah. it seemed like, you know, she... I think it's a testament to who Korra is as a character that she could get beat down so heavily but still rise up and find a way to win. Like, she's a fighter for sure. You know, I'm just thinking about this now. What's crazy is listening to you say that Korra always compares herself to the past avatars, of course. And she always puts herself at at a point where she's like, I'm never going to be as good as them. I'm not like she beats herself down in in reality she does have so much strength to keep going to face all of these villains and to keep going and like she said she's never gonna stop doing her best to restore balance and she just keeps going she's even lost her connection to her past avatars and she just keeps going so it's it's crazy to me how much strength she actually does have compared to the other avatars i mean it's not like we've really known a lot about the other avatars but still she doesn't give herself enough credit. Yeah, absolutely agree. Which I think is, it's normal for for that age and what she's gone through to feel that way. But as someone looking on the outside, looking in, you're like, dang, she really does have a lot of strength. She is a really strong avatar. Definitely. Well, and it's interesting because when we first introduced to her and your first impression of her is that she's very arrogant. But as you just pointed out, you know, she doesn't even give herself credit. Her greatest strength is her perseverance and she's not even giving herself credit for that. So it's almost like... As this episode is a reflection of the show, I guess we're reflecting on her as a character. Um, that arrogance was probably just masking her insecurities. You know, yeah, she has confidence, but she's still insecure in a lot of ways, which is normal. You know, mm-hmm. everyone has insecurities, and especially if you're a teenage girl at that age. And you're into yeah. the Avatar? Like, yeah. At, at 17, I didn't even want to do my homework, much yeah. less save the world. Like, yeah, come right. On. <laughs> yeah, that's so. very true. Very true. Oh, I was going to mention. So we've both talked about how, like, the character development in this, Bolin kind of lacks in that. But I felt like there's a moment when they're on the ship right before Varric starts talking about the crazy mover (laughs) where I was like, you know, Bolin kind of does, for his character, I guess, his personality, He there is some development, but it's so mild that you really don't notice it except for moments like that because... It's just who he is. For his personality, it makes sense, I guess, you know? Because he's such... He doesn't ever take anything seriously. Mm -hmm. And this season is, it's like, he's finally taking stuff seriously and realizing the effects of his actions. Yeah, I mean, that maybe he needs to open his eyes and not just follow people blindly. I think that's a huge thing that he's always just been kind of... He's such a positive guy, and I think sometimes if you're too positive, you project positiveness onto people, and you want to see the good in them, and that's what Bolin does, is he wants to see the good in people, and sometimes you see the good in the wrong people. I did actually write something on Bolin. I said Bolin is pretty introspective. Yeah. I didn't, I never really thought about that before, and maybe that's part of his development, and from, and we're finally seeing it in this episode, but yeah, right before Varric goes into his 
what <laughs> absolutely insane one of a kind movie like <laughs> yeah I, it was like a like a crack fanfic or something that yes. he was writing um there was a moment there where it was like okay bolin is really aware of who he is where he's come from like how much they've all been through and so I had to give him credit for that because, yeah, I've been kind of complaining a little bit on this podcast, but eh, Bolin doesn't really, you know. Yeah. Well, I have two. And it's, I, I feel like he doesn't he doesn't get enough credit. I mean, there are obviously some episodes where it's like, okay, Bolin, move on, you know. Yeah. But he, the one, the one thing really that I admire about him is he is, he is very positive and he is always there for his friends. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. Like, look where he's at now. He's trying to get back to them and apologize and make amends and do what he needs to do, which is such a good thing and i think it helps that he's with Varric, and he's also like what am i doing <laughs> if i'm stuck with this guy it's making me realize how much i miss the people in my life exactly yeah i mean same i would be in the same boat if no pun intended <laughs> i was gonna say if i was in the same boat as bolin i would be in the same boat as bolin. yeah yeah if i was in the same boat as bolin my the thing that got me is when you hear when Varric is talking about the mover and he has a mon calling that bot oh to gosh, I was dying scene, I lost it and he's I like, lost oh, it I can't really go anywhere huh and then they're like oh let's let's conference in a mon and they're like let's not include the Isaac mentioned something which I thought was so true because season two Unalak was the villain and the ratings were not obviously as good as the rest of these seasons it's kind of like they broke that fourth wall in a way of yeah. like. <laughs> We all acknowledge that this villain was nothing. We all hated him. Terrible. So let's make it even more obvious here and be like, yeah, let's not include him in this. And when they hang up on him, I was like, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, we that... don't we don't need Una Locke in here. Let's move let's move on. Let's pretend he doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, that scene was oh my god, I was laughing so hard. That that is the Varric humor that I'm okay with. But yes. only when it's in, you know, like it was perfect in this episode because I mean, not to be mean, but the rest of this episode sucked. It did. It was terrible. It and then Barry came in and saved the day with his absurd humor, so. Yeah. So, question for you. How would you rate it compared to the one, the first one we watched together with the kids? I don't even remember what it was called. Well, let's see. So, two things I really hate. Kids and clip episodes. <laughs> Why would they put the clip episode in this right here? That's what gets me, is this is such bad timing. With Ember Island players, it made sense because... They were about to go in, and it was it was the end of the series. I mean, they were about to go fight to the death. Okay, that's what was about to happen. It was a happen. good break. It was yeah. like the calm before the storm that we all needed. Exactly. And there, I felt like with Ember Island players, it, it kind of, because it forced them to view themselves from an outside perspective, the characters got something from it. Mm-hmm. Like, but with this... <laughs> What did they get out of it? Like, what happened? What was the purpose? It, I guess maybe Korra got a little bit of reassurance that she's the Avatar and she's cool. I, I guess that but was... they could have done that in so many better ways. Without wasting my freaking time on this and episode. Th- in the middle of such a dramatic yeah. season. There's so yeah. much... Kuvera's busy conquering the effing planet. Mm-hmm. Like, with with the Sozin's Comet... Wasn't that what it was, right? Yeah. yeah. Bullshit. The... They couldn't do anything until it was time to go do something. Yeah. Yeah, they had no choice but to wait. Yeah. But yeah. then with... Because, I mean, they were idiots and couldn't just assassinate Ozai <laughs> many, many times yes. before. Like, how did they... <laughs> anyway. <too> good. <laughs> oh, man. When we watch Avatar and go to the end... No. <laughs> oh, my God. I've... No. Uh, that's going to be, like, an hour-long episode. Yeah, that's going to... That's definitely going to be, like, a multiple-episode-long episode. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> So, 
if the first episode I watched on a scale of 10 was a 4, that's too generous. I was going to say, was wow, a four. 3. Was a 3. Okay. Because at least it, you know, wasn't completely pointless. Yeah. Um, this is a, a 1. Wow. I do not like this. I do not like clip episodes that are pointless. Yeah. That didn't offer anything. It wasn't funny except for like the, yeah, the phone call thing in Varric's movie was hilarious. It, it was just pointless. And the timing of it makes no sense. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I get that maybe if you're like, okay, we'll pull back and say that, you know, this moment in their lives is a moment where they're kind of not really doing anything because they're not back together as a group so now now's a good time to reflect reflect in an interesting way give me some personality reflect some perspective with asami and cora they're like the, when i read the the um summary of this episode before i watched it it was like cora reflects on her past to you know have her pressed forward so i'm like okay there's a purpose here but then when you start out with mako where Cora's nowhere present she's not affected by anything he's saying that whole beginning part, which took up the majority of the first 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes of the episode, was nothing. It was pointless. Complete filler. Nothing yep. more than just filler. 100%. Because when, and, and then when you have Cora reflecting, it's like two minutes long. Yeah, it was the shortest part. It had to have been. There's it no was way the shortest it was, part. There's no way that was divided evenly. Yeah. If anyone goes back and is rewatching that episode, time it. Because if it is evenly... That just goes to show you how miserable we were like, during Mako's because we so thought it. True. I thought that was going to be the whole episode. Yeah, I did too. I was pissed. When it switched to Korra, I had to take a moment too because I was like, wait, is this present day? I can't remember. <laughs> right? I'm still stuck in Mako's stupid flashback. And it, it served no no purpose. It didn't do anything. Beyond telling Prince Wu, which we could have done that, like hinted at that in another episode and and hinted that it happened behind the scenes. You know? It's like when you read a book and you've read an entire chapter where you watch something happen and then a character that wasn't present in the next chapter asks about it and a character sits there and explains the entire effing chapter yes. when you could have just wrote they explained what happened to the other person yes. that's what this that's what it felt like watching that i was like we don't need to see that it's not adding anything it's literally just clips mako boringly reflecting on this bullcrap not offering any perspective not offering any personality it was pointless it was a complete yeah. waste of my time and you know it's not even like i'm gonna throw it back to k-dramas here for a second you know when you <laughs> every have... time rachel references <laughs> k-drama take a shot cut that um, out no don't drink <laughs> don't drink it's like when i guess if you're watching a k-drama if it were to like like a regular show it aired every week and you watched it and you get to the very last episode and they call back to to clips from the first episode you kind of have that like remembrance with them where you're like oh they really come so far or it's like a good feeling because they're calling back to the beginning of it all and you're like oh this feels good you don't even get that because it's been a while since we've seen the first season yeah so you're thinking that oh maybe i'll feel something about it but you don't because even the moments he's talking about I don't care about the love triangle. I'm so over. Yeah. It was annoying in the first place. I I don't want to go through it it again. And you're making me remember the parts of season one and beginning of season two that I hated. Exactly. So you're making me just more upset. It's not making me be like, (laughs) oh, yes, that was such a good time. The the only part that I was like, oh, this I I love this is pro bending. That's the oh, only I miss part. I miss pro bending. Me too. Pro like bending that, was so cool. That was the only part that I was like, oh, pro bending. But I kind of forgot that, pro bending happened. Me too. By the end, of, 
I feel like in season, by season three, you've kind of forgotten all about season one, personally, for me. Yeah. Oh, Season two kind of messes you up a bit, where you're, like, so Uh, disconnected from everything that happened. So, it's, like, season three's restarting, and you kind of forget about what's happened before. Yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. (laughs) That's how bad season two was. It was, like, running headfirst into a concrete wall and busting through, and you have no memory of what was before. Yeah, it's kind of like... When Cora shows back up in Mako's flashback and kisses him in front of Asami because she's forgot that they broke up. That it, wow, great job it's calling that. back to the episode. Yeah, that whole his whole flashback was oh around about gosh. his relationship with Cora and Asami. It was pointless. And it's it's crazy to hear you say like you didn't like the love triangle because in case you guys didn't know this, Rachel's a shipper. Hardcore. I'm like not a shipper. Not really. Rachel's like hardcore shipper. Yeah. So you would think <laughs> That if you like shipping, the love triangle's perfect. Yeah. But it was so badly done. It was such done. a badly written love triangle because we've watched, especially you and I with Korean dramas, we've watched yeah. so many love triangles that yeah. it's like, by this point, we're so seasoned in what it should look like <laughs> that when you watch that, it's just, it's torture. It was so unnecessary, It's so too. teen. I guess that's what it is. is it's, it's so teen. trivial teenage life. But even then, I'm like, I feel like it's worse than if teenagers were in a love triangle. You know? But, uh, yeah. I'm a huge shipper, and this was, like... I mean, I shipped Cora and Mako in the very beginning, definitely. But then when all that... When it keeps going on and on, even past the first season, then it's like, okay, I'm all for this. <laughs> Let's move on. And then you think you've gotten past it. Then you're like, oh, we're finally into some, some new stuff, some other stuff. And then we get to episode eight of season four called Remembrance. And Mako's going to explain it all over again. (laughs) I really did. There were only select moments of this episode that I liked. And that whole first beginning of it, I hated. It was terrible. I hated it. Oh, my gosh. And Prince Wu's not funny. No. He's, He's like, worse than Varric. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's sad. But you're absolutely right. Prince Wu is the least funniest character. At least Varric is, like, he's a genius. Like, he has something to offer when it comes to stuff. Prince Wu doesn't. Well, and I guess they were probably trying to, like, I don't know, punch up and make fun of, like, spoiled rich royal people, but they did it in such a way that he's so insufferable, and I just wish he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. They could have, they, like, his character adds nothing, and if, I guess, except to be a nuisance. I mean, maybe they wanted him to be comic relief, but we already have so many, that was Bolin's job. You yeah. had one. You, you had your, your fearsome force that you started the series out with, and the funny guy was Bolin. Yeah. You didn't need to add everyone, make everyone else funny. It's like Marvel movies, how they started with quips, these little annoying-ass oh funny quips. Oh, my gosh. To now, it's, like, everywhere in cinema. Like, everything you watch, people have to make a... Like, people are literally bleeding out and dying, and someone has to make some sarcastic remark. Yeah. It's like, they did that. Like, <laughs> Cora paved the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they did it first. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, because that's how it feels. Yeah. With... Cora is that they Bolin was actually kind of as I mean it was like juvenile funny but at least you got it like when he was funny it was like I get it it wasn't constant he still had it like there was meat to his character there was still something else there mm-hmm. everyone else since then has just been there to be funny and it's like the kids the kids are a perfect example they have no personality outside of really lamely written jokes constantly 24 7 and they're Aang's grandkids. God, that's embarrassing. Like, he embarrassing. is looking down, f- shaking his head. Like, there is no He's, way. He was grateful when Korra broke 
the connection to the <laughs> past like, avatars. Should ever again. Like I don't have to be connected to you guys in any way. Thank God. You know, like, well, because that's I, the thing. You think about how like how Aang was when he was twelve, and he still was. He felt like a kid, but he also felt like it made like he still. So he did stuff that was supposed to be funny in a kid way, but it wasn't constant. It wasn't twenty four seven. It wasn't obnoxious. Yeah. And that's how it, it feels like they just took everything that's obnoxious about forced comedy and shoved it down our throats with some of these characters. Yes, definitely. I feel like this episode brought out, like, the worst in everything we hate about Korra. Yeah, which is sad. We I, love Korra. We love the show. We do. It's just... You know, the more we start talking and watching these episodes, I'm like, do I really love Korra? No, I'm just kidding. I do. But... Some of these episodes and some of these characters are just so bad. They, we just didn't need them. The we show didn't. already had way too many characters. Four is the perfect amount. I'm a. I always say that every table has four legs. Like a, a solid table has four legs. Your cast should have four main characters. Mm-hmm. And those fucking oh. lights. <laughs> <laughs> I was so like, funny. um, that was creepy. Oh. <laughs> oh the lights fell. <laughs> oh my god! That's that that was creepy. What was I saying? Four legs yeah, on the, the table. Yeah. You have to have four main characters. Obviously, the lights did not agree. Yeah, with the you. lights are obviously a Corfin. You have to have four main characters. <laughs> the lights stand very Prince Wu. Well, so you're not allowed to. It's house a good thing they stand. fell off. <laughs> They fell and off like those characters did. Oh, oh exactly. <laughs> it was perfect though with four with the four characters. You know, bringing in Asami and deciding to keep her as as a main character, I think, was great. But they <laughs> still laughing about these lights. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say with Asami, like they brought her in and they kept her. I thought you were saying kept her ass, but you're like kept her ass. I was like, oh, okay. They kept her ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so after keeping Asami's ass, no, <laughs> the supporting cast was already fine because you had Tenzin, which is in Lin. So you had the like mature, you know, sage advice givers and stuff that also would provide a little bit of conflict between the younger characters. And, you know, it was fine. Not like between the younger characters, but I mean between the younger characters and them. And that should have been it. And then, of course, the villain. Whatever, mm-hmm. whoever the villain was. Boom, that's it. We don't need anybody else. If they would have just carried season one, dynamics, characters, all of that, throughout all of these books, would have been so good. Yeah, 100%. But they had to add. And it's not to say, like, you can't add people, because obviously you can. It's like Eska, what, Eska and Desna. Like, when they added them, it made sense in season two, because... It's Cora's cousins, Unalak's kids. They served a purpose for that season, and then we don't see them. And it's it's fine. And you have, you're like, okay, this is how I feel about him. Move on, whatever. It's not like Varric, who's carried over from season two. And, he's, and it's been and he's, forced. Yeah. It's like every time we turn around, Varric's there. And it's annoying. It doesn't feel like a natural addition at all. And I think that if, yeah, if he would have just been there for one season, it would have been fine. But the way he's become a main character, like, I hate that when I turn on the episode, I know that I'm going to get the same amount of time with Varric as I am with the four characters that I grew to love in the first book. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating. And then yeah. where's Tenzin? Like, I care about Tenzin and Lin. They made us care about Tenzin yes. and Lin that first season. Fun fact, I don't know if I told just my, my parents, of course, used to watch Korra when it was airing. 
I missed the episode when Lynn lost her bending because I had to work that morning, the Saturday morning, fuck working retail. And I came home and my parents told me I had to watch that episode because they cried. My parents cried when, when Lynn lost her bending. That is how, that is because they wrote a good character and it wasn't muddled and being pushed to the side with a bunch of other useless characters. Lynn is not a comic, well, she can be funny, but she's not meant to be like comic relief. But instead of us getting that solid backbone character, we're stuck with Prince Wu mm-hmm. and Varric. Yeah. Because people love funny characters. Oh, we just... I, and I think that that's what's killing not just this season of Korra, but in general, like I complained about with movies and stuff right now. Yeah. yeah Too much comedy, not enough just like solid, well-written characters. Because an average person is funny when, they, when it's time to be funny. Mm-hmm. And... Not forced twenty four seven like yeah. Varric. If if it, if people are like the way Varric is, not, no one will want to be around each other. Yeah, fuck that. They'll just be isolated in their own humor room. I guess. My dad actually spoiled season one for me. So. Oh That's really? Sad. That's sad. Oh when my I watched, god. I mean, well, Isaac had already watched it, and he's like, "You need to watch it." And so I'd watch it at home, but then I'd also watch episodes with Isaac with my at my parents' house. And I remember coming into my parents' house and we put on the episode where you find out Amon's the, a, a bloodbender, which is like the plot twist of the century, you yeah. know? You're like, oh my gosh. And we're sitting down and we're just getting to that part. And my dad walks in, looks at the screen and he goes, oh, is this when you find out the guy's a bloodbender? Oh my God. And I remember looking at Isaac and Isaac's looking at my dad like, what are you doing? And then I looked at my dad and I was like, what? And my dad's like, oh, it hasn't happened yet you haven't found out you don't know and oh I'm my like, god i can hear your dad saying that. right <laughs> he would do something like that and that's like i still bring it up to this day i was like hey do you remember when you ruined season one of cora <laughs> for me i didn't even get the satisfaction of learning he was a bloodbender i mean i did but it was for my dad yeah it's not the same but that cora is i mean it is a good show like if our parents were able to sit through and watch it that mm-hmm. says a lot exactly it's it's an all-ages show it really is. That's what's so great about it. That and The Last Airbender. Like, you can mm-hmm. be any age, 6 to 60, anywhere in between, anywhere before and after, and it's a great show for you. Yeah. You know, it, The Last Airbender was just so good. Like, the dynamics between everyone, the group, and and what was happening at their age and how they handled it was appropriate. Yeah. And so when you get to Korra and you see situations like this, it's just annoying because you're like, you did so well with Avatar, The Last Airbender, you know? You, it, it was so well written I mean not all of it like a lot of shows but for the most part they did such a good job with that group the four of them absolutely so then you get here and you're like season one so good so good and then you're thinking it's going to continue and they ruin it with that love triangle yeah the love triangle really it makes killed it awkward it, it for does the, until season the end of season three pretty much they could have just it was already badly written they could have just pretended like it was never done and just moved on like honestly yeah. that would have been so much yeah. better but then on top of that they do stuff like we've complained about <laughs> we complain a lot but previously <laughs> i know we talked about you know the the core has been broken up this season mm-hmm. and you can't have a good dynamic if all it is is relationship drama 24-7, and then they're not around each other. They have to be together. They have to be... I want to see wholesome moments between them as friends. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to see. I just want to see four best friends doing best friend things yes. and saving the world in the meantime. Yes. That would... And they have... The character types that they have would be perfect for that mm-hmm. if they actually focused on just writing really solid friendships and good times yeah. instead of just drama all the time. 
Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, even if it was just them eating at a restaurant, I would... And they have included that, but there's so much drama even in that. Yeah. You know, well, not... like there was at the last episode when what's going on between you two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both were like, oh, just wait. Um, yeah. And then we're like, whoa, Wasami, calm down. Yeah, just you know? immediately like anger it didn't and even they're make sense. yelling. Yeah, it just forced drama. Not yeah. a fan of it at all. Yeah, me so. either. Forced humor, forced drama. Like Cora, get it together. Not Cora herself, but Cora the show. Yeah. I mean, it's too late. They can't get it together. True. It's over now. But if, you know, we could go back and fix a few things. One thing we would fix is this episode. It wouldn't be here. Yes. Can we um, rewrite Cora the way we want it? Yeah. Why not, right? Why not? We'll just include it on the podcast and every week we'll have a new episode of, like, a reimagined episode of each episode of Cora. I would, yeah, we should. And we'll just read it like an audio show. You know, when we go back and start over? Yeah. We should do that. We should. Yeah. Definitely. That'd be be fun. We'll include it with our Scooby-Doo um, we podcast. have to please can we do the scooby-doo podcast is that i an want to no i 100 percent would do that we're doing the scooby-doo okay i'm so freaking i when i saw that i was like why is this the truest thing i've ever seen in my life because when you actually think about scooby-doo you're like wait none of them actually really committed a crime besides like i said like breaking and entering probably but like how is all <laughs> I still laugh about it because I'm like, how are you going to get an inheritance or how are you going to get whatever you want just by breaking in and spooking people? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean it's not how it's it not works. It's not like you're going to be like, oh my gosh, let me give you everything I have or let me, I guess like if you want someone to like move out of their house, that would work yeah. or like quit their job. Yeah. But also, how do they have such good technology to be a ghost? Or it like doesn't make anything like they're like super real and then they when pull Velma up a plastic it and, and they're like, it was old man Jenkins <laughs> and this is how we did it. And there's like a, a freaking like generator and like that no one noticed the entire time. And you're like, where was all this? How did you not stumble? How did you power all this? Yeah. So you, the, you brought the generator in. You and, were like, feeling the somehow like um lift themselves up to fly like who's and no this? one was like yeah, that's definitely someone on a wire <laughs> and if it was if they are on a wire who's controlling it in the back yeah who goes through all this effort you know like honestly you deserve everything that you want yeah, if you're willing the to inheritance. go through that. take the old man jenkins take the inheritance people are gonna be like we're gonna have to cut this out because we're gonna be like what are you talking about okay so we're done wrapping up we're the episode. done okay. episode's over you guys don't watch it just go watch the season one again. <laughs> You'll suffer the same battle. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk Avatar podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Avatar and on Facebook at Non Essential Media. We appreciate your support and we will see you next episode.